following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Uh, well, we're returning to our work in the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. I'm sorry I'm not going to preach the same text I preached for the last two weeks. I'm going to move on. I didn't want to give another try. So you can turn there, chapter 2, verse 13, at page 837 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. And today in our adventures in flannel graph, we're going to uh, look at the occasion of Jesus calling Levi. Uh, who's also known as Matthew, um, who is the human author of the Gospel of Matthew. Perhaps you've heard of it. Um, and our story takes place in Capernaum near the Sea of Galilee. Now, I want you to have a similar picture in your mind as I have when I read this account of Levi in the tax booth. Now, I'm not clever enough to find a picture to put on the screen so that You'll just have to work with my imagination. When I see Levi in a tax booth, I see Charlie Brown and Lucy sitting at the psychiatrist booth, uh, psychiatry for five cents. So there's, there's Levi sitting in the booth there. You're welcome. I just, you need to be more aware that my mind doesn't always work, uh, quite the way you might expect. Anyway. So let's look at mm, 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 chapter 2, verse 13 of Mark. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and the sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for your spirit that guides us through it. We pray, Lord, that our eyes would be open and our ears would be open to the message that you have from your word for us today. We pray that your spirit would speak to us and soften our hearts to receive your word. We love and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder how many of you share um, a similar experience to me growing up, uh, going to camps or going to events where people share their testimonies and talk about what they were like before they met Jesus. I'm the only one that ever went to camp. Okay. Okay. Well, I think... Um, It seemed like so many times I heard testimonies from people who are similar to this crowd that sit up on the bench that 
that drank and did drugs and killed people and robbed banks and kicked puppies and so on. Just horrible. How do you get this way? You're only 12 years old. Good grief, you know. (laughs) And so I sit there thinking, man, my testimony is really boring. I never even kicked one puppy. No, I'm just a normal kid that never really did anything bad. When I was a kid, the height of my rebellion, I'll just check my parents are not here. <laughs> Don't tell them. But the height of my rebellion was running the vacuum cleaner one day when my parents told me to vacuum the living room, and I didn't want to do it, and then they left. So I ran the vacuum cleaner around the carpet, but I didn't even turn it on. They just see the wheel marks on the rug and think it was done. I showed them. (laughs) We're not going to put the recording of this sermon on the Internet. So don't tell my parents. (laughs) Right? Don't worry, I got much better at rebellion as I got older. Well, this, this account of the Gospel of Mark... In the gospel, from the Gospel of Mark this morning was a testimony of a real puppy kicker, Levi. He's not just run the vacuum without turning it on. Levi was a Jewish fellow who lived in Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee. And his profession was tax collecting. It's not a bad gig by today's standards. My, um, my mom was a tax assessor for the town of Norway, Maine, for over 20 years. It's not a bad, not a bad job now. But then and not so good. Levi did not live by today's standards, and his profession was not an honorable one, at least in Israel. Uh, tax collectors at this time in the nation of Israel uh, were servants of Rome. Um, and there, those that had the job of collecting taxes uh, for Rome were not given a salary to do the job. It's not you come in and punch the clock and we're going to pay you so many dollars an hour and you put in 40 hours and that's it. They said, you collect what you can, here's what we want, and the rest is up to you. So, um, that's kind of a dangerous place for a dishonest person, I think, don't you? The way that it works, the tax collectors are given a certain goal to pay to the the regional governor of that area, and um, that's all the Romans cared about. Just give us what we want, and we don't care what else you do. And whatever they got out of people beyond that goal was... Uh, was their own to keep. And when you're the only one that knows what the goal is, and the people just know they need to pay taxes or they get in trouble with the Roman government, you just say, you give me, let's just start with all of your money, okay? Just give it all, and that's what Jerome wants. Right? And you say, well, no, I can't do that. Well, then I call the centurion, and you go to jail, and they kill you. Simple. Right, So this person who is given this job can use fear of Rome against uh, people 
to um, steal their money. That's really what, that's what the job is. Tax collectors were professional extortionists uh, that used the fear of Rome, uh, leveraging people's fear to line their own pockets. Sounds great, right? This, uh, great job, right? Yeah. How do you think the people of Israel felt about their fellow Israelites taking this job and doing this for Rome, extorting money from them for their hated enemies? They're probably the most popular guy in town. I'm sure their name was used a lot in town, but not in a good way, right? People wanted Rome out of Israel. So if you're an Israelite working for Rome to extort money from your own people, not very popular. So Levi has this job. The people who do this job are a disgrace to their family. They're a traitor to their race, traitor to their nation. They would not be allowed to worship in synagogue. They wouldn't let them in. They would be outcasts from Jewish society. Now, if you think back over the last few weeks, the people that Jesus has interacted with, what do they have in common? We talk about a leper. We talk about a paralytic. Now we talk about a tax collector. They're all outcasts from their society, right? They're not accepted. These are not everybody's favorite people. Now, that's just generally speaking. This is his work to take money from Israel. Let's get more specific. Where is Levi when Jesus calls him? All right, where's the booth? Okay, well, I don't know about the street. It's, it's in, uh, look at verses 13 and 14. Then you tell me. He's near the Sea of Galilee, beside the lake. Why is that important? What sort of thing do you think Levi might have been collecting taxes on by the Sea of Galilee? Fish. Right? So, Of the four disciples that have been named so far in the Gospel of Mark, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, what did they do for work before they started to follow Jesus? They're fishermen. And here's Levi, who may, may this is my uh, supposition, may have been a fish tax collector. How do you think... Peter, Andrew, James, and John felt about this guy. Specifically, not like we hate all tax collectors because they're all jerks, right? They have no clue about rule number one. They take all of our money and we don't like them. We try to avoid them. This is like you work hard all day long and then you have to give a bunch of your money or fish that you sold to this guy. I'm pretty sure they would not... Send him Christmas cards. Not not good friends. Levi would have been uh, an outcast from Jewish, Jewish society in general because of his occupation. But it's very likely that Peter, Andrew, James, and John knew him personally and already had to pay taxes to him for their work. And I guarantee his uh, their opinion of him and not all that high. This dude was a puppy kicker. He's not, not a good, not everybody's favorite man. 
Why is that important? This sort of thing puts the grace of God on full display. As Jesus passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose, and he followed him. There was, um, there was no merit to this man that he deserved to be called by Jesus as a disciple. This, Jesus didn't call him because they needed a treasurer for their outfit. Right? We need somebody to handle the money. You're obviously good at it. Right? Buster, you're very good with creative finance. Right? That job was given to somebody else. It didn't work out very good for him either. Judas Iscariot was known to be the treasurer. Jesus also didn't call Levi because he saw in him a heart to believe. You know, he just could, oh boy, I can see your tender heart of faith as you sit there extorting your people for money, selling out your nation and family. You're the kind of guy I want around. Jesus didn't think he's not more worthy than anyone else. He's not more worthy than the next person. Jesus was called... Levi was called by Jesus for God's purpose. And God's purpose was to put his grace on display. We talked about how the Gospels were written uh, specifically and strategically. This was included, this story was included so that we could see God's grace on display. Who deserved to be called a disciple of Jesus? You, come follow me. Nobody. And really not this guy. Really, really not this guy. Jesus' command to Levi was clear. Follow me. uh, Levi's response was immediate. He got up and left. And his commitment was complete. He didn't go back. Later in the Gospels, you can see after Jesus was crucified, some of the disciples say, well, let's go back to fishing. I don't think Levi went back to the booth. I think his job was pretty much gone, even if he did want to go back. Just like the other disciples had left their nets to follow Jesus, Levi left his tax booth and followed him too. And following Jesus, for these men, was no soft commitment. This isn't just like, oh, well, you know, I call myself a Christian, just add it on to the, to the other stuff. Just a, this is my chosen religious expression. Everybody gets one. So this is the one I pick. It's not like that. This was not, this new religious expression for these men who followed Jesus were not just an add-on to already full lives. Following Jesus encompassed their whole life. They really did have to leave everything to follow him. Things that no longer fit were set aside, such as fishing and collecting taxes. Unlike the other disciples that simply left their nets to follow Jesus, Levi throws a party. I like this. (laughs) Now this is discipleship. Have everybody over for supper. If you feed them, they will come. That's the the mantra of the church. 
Levi throws a party to celebrate and invites all his friends to come to his house for dinner and to meet Jesus. You know, did you do that? When you came to Jesus, did you invite your friends over for a party to say, look what has happened to me? Or do your friends just say, what has happened to you? I don't know. I think there's strength in this. I'm not make Levi a hero for doing this. But he testified to his friends what had happened. And he brought Jesus to his friends and his friends to Jesus to say, everything is different now, everybody. This is a retirement party from collecting taxes. Because everything is different for me now. Look at verse 15. And as he reclined at table... As Jesus reclined at table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Okay, so we just talked about how Levi, not the most popular guy in town, what sort of friends does Levi invite over to his house? I'm pretty sure he's not the synagogue leader and the mayor and uh, and all of the regular, normal people, you know, like we might think. Tax collectors. If you're rejected by your own people for doing this work, who do you hang out with is other people rejected by their people for doing this work. Other tax collectors are there, right? Mark also uses the word sinners, very popular expression. He uses the word sinners to describe others that were there at Levi's house beside Jesus and those with him. So what does he mean? We see this expression used a lot in the Gospels, especially by the scribes and the Pharisees. They say, look, you're hanging out with sinners. You're a friend of sinners. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, who does that mean? So this is a specific expression uh, that does not refer to sinners in general, like everybody ever beside Jesus, right? Because that's who sinners are, everybody except for Jesus, everyone who's ever lived. These people were, in, were, were, he did not mean that. These people were specifically non-religious Jews, right? These are people who didn't fall in line with the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees, um, I think we know a lot of people like this. And if you call them sinners, they probably won't call you anymore. But they're just disconnected from any religious expression, right? Just, I don't go to church anymore. I went to Sunday school as a kid. I don't do that anymore. Uh, Church would catch on fire if I came in, right? This that sort of people, just disconnected. And I love the fact that Levi throws a party to tell all his friends and associates that he had met Jesus and decided to follow him. Right? We should take a lesson from that. But Jesus and the former puppy kicker and all his buddies are not the only ones on the scene. So look at verse 15. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, 
Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now I'll share another goofy picture in my head when I think about the scribes of the Pharisees. Who do you see in your mind when you think of the scribes and the Pharisees? What picture do you see? Well, I don't care. Here's a picture I see. I was just being polite. The picture that I see is Statler and Waldorf from the Muppet Show. They're up, they're up in the balcony, right? In the, in the, in the box, sitting up above everybody, looking down on them from their lofty perch, thinking that they're better than everybody else. They tell jokes. I don't think scribes and Pharisees did, but that's the picture in my mind. So now you're welcome. You got Charlie Brown and Lucy and Statler and Waldorf. This is what you came for, isn't it? No, kids don't even know the Muppet Show anymore. So instead of being up in the high perch, looking down with Statler and Waldorf, Jesus was down among the tax collectors and sinners. He didn't stand above them, looking down his nose, condemning them. He sat with them. He did not condemn them as the scribes were doing. He came to save them because he loved them. The scribes questioned the disciples saying, those, those people are sick. Why? They're sinners. Why would you be anywhere near them? Why would, if you're supposed to be a religious teacher, why get your hands dirty with those filthy jerks? Yuck. It's a good thing we're not like that. What's ironic about that is that Jesus did not disagree. They said, those people are a bunch of sickos. They're sinners. And Jesus didn't say, no, they're not. They're good people. He didn't say that. He said that, yeah, they're sick. And who do they need but a physician? You're content to just let them die of their sickness. That's not okay with me. Jesus is the great physician. Where else would he be but surrounded by sick people? I'm glad he's here today. The irony was that the scribes didn't think they needed any help. Those people are sick, not us. We're good. They're not. In their view, they had no need of God's grace. They had no need of God's help. They didn't think they needed to be forgiven. They thought they were righteous already. And the truth is, and you'll see it even today, that people who don't see their need for help are not in a position to be helped. Right? When you say, I'm good. (laughs) Well... See how it works for you. It's not going to last very long. But that's not up to us. We can convince anyone. The Holy Spirit does that work. But people who don't see their need for help are in no position to be helped. And the problem with the scribes had was pride. In their view, they had no need of God's grace, had no need of help. We're fine right where we are. We've got this figured out. You clearly don't because you hang around with a bunch of dirtbags. 
I think that was a Greek translation. Alistair Begg said in reference to getting into God's eternal kingdom, which was the work that Jesus was doing, most people think that God is looking for nice people who are doing their best. What if he isn't? What if that's not what God is looking for? Nice people doing their best to get into heaven. Salvation through faith in Jesus is a matter of rejecting your pride and accepting God's grace. If we think that we are an obvious choice for salvation, then we don't understand grace at all. We think we're the healthy. We think we're righteous. Why wouldn't God save me? Look at how terrific I am. Salvation through faith in Jesus is not a matter of following the religious rules to make yourself feel and look righteous, being nice and do your best. It's the same thing. Salvation through faith in Jesus is a matter of rejecting your pride and accepting God's grace. Levi, the tax collectors and sinners, the disciples, the scribes, they're all unqualified for salvation. But Jesus still qualified to save them. The difference was whether or not they recognized their need for help. The disciples did. Those who people gathered around Jesus did. The scribes and Pharisees did not. By God's grace, Levi recognized his need for help. And he turned from his sin and followed Jesus. And like I said before, later he'd be known as Matthew. Now, it's not uh, coincidental that his name was changed from Levi to Matthew. Matthew means the gift of God. Not that Matthew is the gift of God. <laughs> Grace is the gift of God. That's what Matthew means. The definition of grace, the gift of God. So have we talked about in the past weeks, where do you inject yourself into this story? Where are you sitting? Are you sitting up with Statler and Waldorf, the scribes? Convinced of your own righteousness and goodness without the need of Jesus' help? I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm a nice person, never killed anybody. No puppy kicking for me. I pray that you're not. Are you like Levi? Have you recognized your need for God's forgiveness through Jesus? Have you committed your life to follow him? The way that you know that you are a follower of Jesus is an easy test. The way that you know that you are a true follower of Jesus is that you're following Jesus. <laughs> That's how you can tell. How about that? I hope that you are. I hope as you look at your life, you can see. I am a follower of Jesus. Not out of pride, but you just recognize your behavior. You spend time with the Lord. You spend time in His Word. You spend time talking about Him. You spend time talking to Him. He gave us His Word and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit so that we can know Him and follow Him together as His disciples. And if you are maybe sitting with the tax collectors and the sinners... 
you never decided to follow Jesus, if you don't know him, the Bible says very clearly that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you like to be saved? Maybe if you're saying, I've never, oh, i just kind of been following along here. I've never told Jesus that I'm here. <laughs> I've never said to Jesus, Lord, maybe I ought to do that. If you're thinking something along those lines, I think you're right. And maybe you can come down here. We pray together and you can ask Jesus to forgive your sin. Hmm. Well, I stopped writing things down. I think there's only three places we can sit here. Some of them are good and some of them are not. You can sit in the balcony looking down on people. You can sit with Levi, say, yeah, I gave it up. I gave up everything that did not fit into following Jesus anymore. I can't sit with the tax collectors and the sinners and say, yeah, I need Jesus too. I hope you're in the last two somewhere. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us find the end of this story. that uh, none of us would be sitting up in that balcony looking down on people, thinking that we're good because we're not. And if we're thinking that, we're just fooling ourselves. But Lord, may we be down with the rest of the crowd, with Levi and the disciples, with Jesus, that we would recognize our need for salvation. That we would recognize that our salvation is a gift. We don't earn it. We don't get into heaven by just doing our best and being nice. But by submitting our lives to you. Accepting your gift of your life given for us. I pray this Advent season, this Christmas season, we would not forget the purpose and get uh, caught up in trees and presents and all that stuff. But we would take advantage of the opportunity when people do recognize that, yeah, okay, Santa is part of Christmas, but so is Jesus. We'd use those opportunities to share your love and share the hope of the gospel. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we trust you with this message. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.